BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Dental Associates of Northern Virginia redefine what it means to visit the dentist. Get top quality personalized support from committed experts who prioritize the well-being and satisfaction of you and your family. Care is centered on a highly personalized treatment plan backed by the trust and support of long-lasting relationships. Schedule your next appointment by visiting dental1-va.com slash offer slash Sirius XM. What's up, y'all? This is Tim Meinenkel. Welcome to the library. Make sure to follow me on Twitter. That's at Kosher22, at Kosher22. Freestyle Steve is the official DJ of Timberland and Missy Elliott. He's also one of the first DJs to play New York hip-hop in a Miami club. I had the chance to talk to DJ Freestyle Steve a couple of weeks ago. Freestyle Steve, uh, thanks for joining me today on The Library with Tim Einenkel. Okay, okay. What's going on, Tim? All right, I have to go into, I mean, obviously the, the story that you know everyone reads is that you were one of the, you were like, the, the first DJ in Miami to play New York hip-hop. One of the first DJs to play New York hip hop in Miami. How? How? I, that 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 to me that's ballsy. Um, just in a Miami scene. Why? Why did you do that? Like, what, what was it about New York hip hop that you wanted to play? I was always different, and I used to always take little trips up to New York. Mm-hmm. And on uh, the first, uh, you know, about a mixtape like everybody. And uh, the first mixtape I bought was a DJ Clue tape, and you know that's where. The mixtape thing was, and that's what hip hop was. Miami, we had our bass music, but I just like rap. Mm. And um, I can't think of the actual name of the song, but it was uh, Biggie and the rest of the crew, rest of his crew, um, Junior Mafia crew. And uh, it was just this one song, and I just loved that one record. Can't remember the name of it, like I said, and that was it. I was hooked. I was a hip hop fan. What was the reaction in the club when you played it? Um, well, actually, this was way before the club. This goes. This is back. This is when we had um, underground radio. So this was before the club. Before I got into the club. So I mean, did you did you get like listener responses? You know, callers or? Oh yeah, we had callers. They'll call back and be like, "Yo, what is that?" Like, "Yo, we know we know hear that." And you know, I mean, as time went on, you know, everybody started knowing what hip hop was. But as far as playing it, you know, because that during that time when New York hip hop was going on. We had no limit that did for the South, right? You know, so and then you know, other than Uncle Luke, but uh, you know, that's what we had down here—the bass music. You know, everything down here was 808. Mm-hmm. New York had, you know, obviously there was more music, so that's what it was. Ours was dance music. Their their music was okay. We're gonna rap, make you think about what you know what we're rapping about. I want to go into you. Obviously, you, you're 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 you know you're known for being Timberland's DJ. But you know you've worked right. with you worked with Dre, you worked with Fifty, you worked with even Madonna. Uh, if you could take the right. you know take the time and like, how is it? Well, one how how what what is it like working with Timberland? I mean, because you know you're because what's interesting about your your Timberland is that he's just not he's not just an MC, but he's one of the most incredible producers out there. 
So, right, right. What, so what is that like, not just working with an MC, but also working with an MC slash producer on stage? It's crazy because at the end of the day, I'm still a fan, and I'm a fan of music. So just being able to, to, to work with and watch mm. one of the you know greatest, I mean, I still take Quincy Jones, you know, Dr. Dre is right there too, but, you know, to be able to work with and watch one of the greatest, you know, producers of all time, you know, create from a shoebox and a snit and a drumstick, you know, until you look up, you got a sexy back. Like, oh, wait a minute, how did you do that? Where did that come from? So, you know, every every time we're in the studio, it, he never seems to, you know, amaze me. Mm. You know, it's crazy. He's just he's a genius. He's a walking around genius. Is, is is there is there a, 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 at all? I mean, was there ever some sort of a, a, a intimidation factor on your end of like you know not, not wanting to, I guess like wanting to suggest an idea but not doing it because you were working with Timberland? Oh yeah, oh yeah. The, um, my first, I guess you say the first year of us, uh, of us, you know, being first off, it was it was it was intimidating just to be able to go into the booth. I mean, to go into the actual studio and watch him. Mm. And then you know you gotta you have to learn them because Tim is known as oh my god Tim is known as the uh, everybody get out guy he'll tell everybody get out he don't care who it is who you are don't matter he'll tell you to get out I'm talking when I say he don't it doesn't matter who it is it doesn't matter who because he will tell you to get out when he gets into that mode but um I guess once you told me that I didn't have to leave you know when he went into one of those moods and I didn't have to leave I was like wow, you know, I think he must respect me that much, you know. And then I guess when it came down to, like, letting him know what was the hottest songs in the streets, you know, he'll sit down here and listen to me, we'll talk about it. So the intimidating factor was, like, now I guess I can tell him, like, you know, to him, I think you should, start, you know, put a little sound like this. Mm. And it became no problem. You know, in, the, in the beginning, yeah, you, you're intimidated. But then after a while, you're like, nah, he's all right, cool. Hey, man, that don't sound right. I didn't like sexy back. I hated sexy back. Well, just curious. What, what about it that you didn't like? I just didn't like the sound. He saw. I mean, he, that's what it is when you. I guess when you're a genius and you just do stuff, and you're ahead of your time. Sexy back was ahead of his time, and I, you know me. Me coming from where I came from, you know, I'm like, nah, man, I can't play that in the club. I can't play <laughs> no sexy back in the club. Nah, nobody's not gonna like that. Uh. Uh-uh. And then I guess once I saw. You know, when I saw the visual that him and Justin had, I was like, oh, okay, this is what, you know, what it was. So it was just a whole movement, you know, from getting healthy, you know, getting, losing weight, getting your body right, and the clothing, and, you know, the way you talk, you know, what you eat. So that's when the vision became a sex pack. But in the beginning, I hated that song. Couldn't stand it. Was, was there ever... Was there a song that I mean got a lot of radio play that Timberland was hesitant to play, and you kind of pushed him to play it or or create? Wow, that's kind of t- well. There's a song that we did that uh, they you know they didn't really want to push, but I, I really pushed for the song. And had it, you know I was just playing it everywhere. It was a uh, meet in the middle, the record with him and Brandy. Okay, uh, or, or brand new, and I pushed for that song. Pushed for that song. I mean, I had to, I was playing that song from everywhere, but you know, I don't know what happened. It just it just didn't work. But that was one record that I really wanted to you know go and push and make everybody want that record. That was one that didn't happen. 
but as far as him, uh, but as far as him saying, you know what, I don't like this record. You know, uh, what you think freestyle? And I'm like, yeah, I think we should put this record out. This record, nah, it's never been like that. To be honest. With you. I want to kind of go into. Uh, I, I I read in an interview. Um, they asked you what songs or artists would you include in you know your dream DJ set. Right. Um, and you you know you mentioned Teddy Teddy Pendergrass, Marvin Gaye, Frankie Bell, Luther Vandross. Uh, Keith Sweat and you know the OJs, but then you only have one, I guess, one technical rap group, which is Run DMC. What is, what is it about the kind of the the old old school that is uh that's near and dear to your heart as a DJ? Yeah, that's that's to me that's real music. And when I when I first started DJing, uh, I wasn't really DJing, but you know, still was. I was playing the music, you know, for, at my at the parties at for the house parties at my house. Um, so playing my 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 auntie's uh, you know her forty fives or her, you know her albums you know, from the Michael Jacksons to the uh, you know Teddy Pendergrass you know uh, Jeffrey Osborne playing those records I just those records just always stuck with me you know coming up and when I used to go and watch the other DJs like when Uncle Luke and all them was DJing back in the days those were the records that I grew up on so you know I. To this day, those are my favorite records. I always try to stick one or two of them in, you know, so that the the '90s babies, the '90s babies, you know, can understand that this is before Lil Wayne, this is for before Young Jeezy, you know, even though Jeezy is around my age, but the the, the younger people now they don't know nothing about Teddy Pendergrass or Luther Vandross. They don't know the old older records. So I always try to make it my business to play a couple of them in my sets so that everybody, you know, can remember like, yo, this was real music before now. Why 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 did I was also like why why did you uh why did you start DJing? Um, I just like music and like I say it started from the house, the house parties we used to have and I just loved I just loved to be able to, you know, put on some songs put on a song and, you know, just watch people react and that's what it was. And every time we had a house party they always called me. Hey, where you at? Come on, I'll play the records. You know, play either you know playing some Johnny Teller or some James Brown for my grandmother. Them, you know, it was I was always the DJ, and then you know just grew into it, and that's what I wanted to do. Do you have a favorite? I know you uh, when you go on, when you go on live performances and uh, concerts. Do you have a favorite part of the live performance? I mean, that you like, is there something that you always look forward to, or and the opposite question is: Is there something you always dread about it? Um. Well, always the first thing I always look to look forward to is uh, this is crazy. When we're overseas, and I always play about fifteen minutes before Tim, you know, get ready comes on stage, and I will always play uh, a Snoop record, and the crowd will always go retarded, and that will let me know that you know, okay, these people know some hip hop, right? And I, you know, that that's the you know, people say, why you play a Tim record? Because uh, I play them all the time. But when I play, you know, another record, this always, you know, if I play, when I play a Snoop record or a big hip-hop record, you know, it can be a biggie record. When I play it and you get the reaction from the crowd, like, wow, it's all worth it. But then when you get to go, you know, you do a show and most of the, uh, the majority of the crowd is corporate, like, ah, uh, you're not going to really have the same energy, you have the same fun you know, as you will with just a regular crowd. So that's the dreadful part of it. And and as you mentioned, you you uh, you, you you play national on the stage, but then you also play international. Do you get a sense right. that um, 
I guess there's that I guess is it true or do you get a sense that international folks or people are more passionate about hip hop than national or is there not that sense? Oh, oh yeah, oh yeah. The international people. The see the thing is the thing is they're they're like two years behind. Sometimes they're like two years behind on hip hop. But what happens is they enjoy it so much, you know, and they're so more passionate about the old school hip hop, you know, and some of the new commercial hip hop, you know, that, man, that, that's what they want to hear. Like, they really love the hip hop over, you know, over here, you know, you can't really play no Grandmaster Flash. You can't really play no, um, uh, I don't know, rappers they like really in a club like that. But if you play it overseas, you know, you get the response as if you was playing the biggest, Dr. Dre, the biggest Timberland, or the doc, biggest Justin Timberlake record. You know what I'm saying? They just love hip hop, mm. you know, and real hip hop overseas. What's what's what, what is the future for? Uh, what's your future projects for uh, Freestyle Steve? Uh, right now, I'm working on my uh, D, my DJ uh, mixtape party set uh, series, rather. Um, it's called. Uh, it's actually called the Party Series, and. Um, what it is is every city or every country that I go to, the music or the tape will kind of reflect, you know, what was going on, how I felt, how the club was rocking at that point in time, you know what I'm saying? And the CD will be, you know, for that city. Um, also working on some remixes. Last night we was actually in the studio, you know, doing the, working on a couple of remixes of Tim songs. Mm. Um, this without Tim not there, but this is just what I'm working on. Uh, you know, a couple of remixes uh, to send overseas. So, you know, you start hearing Freestyle Steve voice all over the place on a couple of these big records. Something Actually, I want to go back to your your working relationship with Timberland. Something like that, where you're doing remixes of his stuff, do you have to get, you know, his quote-unquote stamp of approval on, or is that kind of just you, you Oh, don't... yeah. No, I mean, I don't, I don't have to. I mean, I don't have to because he know I ain't going to go out there and do nothing crazy, but um, that's the... I mean, even as... Even with the relationship that we have, I mean, even if it wasn't a Timberland song that I was doing a remix to, I still would give it to him to listen because with me, with him giving a thumbs up, then I, there's nothing else anybody can say to me. Right. You know what I'm saying? Because this man changed music. You know, he's changed radio three times. I don't know nobody else who I could just walk into, walk into this studio or call their phone or whatever and be like, hey, man, listen to this. And, you know, give me an opinion that the world will say, you know, you're right. That man changed music three times. So, of course, I'm going to send it, I'm going to get a track to him. It's like, yo, listen. And if I see him rocking to it, and if he takes out his iPod and say, hey, put this on the iPod, then I know I did something good. I already know what it is. Freestyle Steve, man. Thanks so much for joining me today on um, And You Don't Stop with Chuck D and the library with Tim Einenkel. No problem. Appreciate the time. This is Tim Einenkel with the library. Peace. DJ Freestyle Steve, what it is, Free? Tell him what it is, man. You're in Brazil. You're about to hit Club Royale right now. X-Type music in the building.
BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America.